what comes to your mind when you see the words the nature of god's love love is such a common term and uh, what comes to your mind when we are talking about god's love <coughs> i don't know how much you have thought about your faith walk how much you have thought about uh you know just because if you are born in a christian family uh you just took it for granted or you are processed your belief system and uh, i don't know how much you have done that but um uh, if you see if you study the various religion you know in most of the religions morality is based on fear if you don't de- do this god will punish you if you do this god will bless you it's very important for us to process these thoughts because sometimes we bring the very same thoughts into the church and sometimes we think if i do like this god will bless me if i don't do this god is against me he is going to punish me sometimes we introduce our very faith to our children based on this concept because we have allowed the culture to come into our church but the gospel christianity is not based on fear the gospel christianity is based on the nature of god's love the morality for being moral is based on god's love i'll i'll explain i'll i will keep keep thinking about it uh we need to think about our faith if you want to be strong in your faith otherwise if the foundation is not strong if there is a storm the building will come down you know you may build a beautiful edifice but if the foundation is not strong when the wind blows the house comes tumbling down so th- this is the foundation of our faith you know in galatians chapter 5 verse 6 paul says for in christ jesus neither circumcision nor circum- uncircumcision has any value the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love what what is he saying you don't earn you know you don't earn blessings you don't come to god because you are circumcised you don't come to god you know you cannot come to god because you are not circumcised no he says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love we don't come to god based on our merit based on our activities based on you know it's very tough if you think that you know if i it's you know the human mind will always like to please god with activities okay but it's very tough how much to do if i you know if if i don't if i just fail one day in reading the bible god is going to punish me there's going to be so much of pressure when our faith is based on rules 
you know, in the same chapter in verse 14, he says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love, love. What is that love? What is that love? That's what Paul is talking here. You know, Paul is, you know, wherever he went and he established churches, you know, Paul has established so many churches, and he will pray for the people, people who have come to faith. They're all believers. They're all, f you know, they're all facing persecutions, deprivation in the society, but still they are all believers. They, they, they believe in Jesus. But Paul says, my prayer for you, he will pray. What is his prayer? God will bless you with more things abundantly, will give you all the material blessings, you'll have more cars, you will be become the king of this land. No. He says, you will know the love of God. If you know the love of God, if that becomes the dynamic for transforming, it'll become, you know, it'll change our life on its own. That's why all the New Year resolutions has not brought even one good person at the end of the year. Oh, I had these resolutions and I became, you know, so great. No, it doesn't happen. You know, you need somebody to help you. I can make wonderful resolutions. I don't have the capacity and strength to follow through the resolutions. That's why you need God's love. When you understand God's love, it is God who transforms your life. And that is the focus in all Paul's letters. People are coming, they're preaching a different gospel. You read those letters, you'll understand. Don't follow them. They are lovers of money. He will tell in his letters. But he says, one thing you should know, the love of God. The love of God. And that's what he writes in the letter to the Ephesians, and that will be our meditation this morning. Uh, shall we all rise to our feet for the scripture reading taken from the epistle to, uh, to the Ephesians, chapter 3, uh, verses 14 to 19. எபேசியர்க்கு எழுதின நிருபம் மூன்றாவது அதிகாரம் பதினான்கு முதல் பத்தொன்பது முடிய எபேசியர் மூன்றாவது அதிகாரம் பதினான்கு முதல் பத்தொன்பது முடிய எஃபிஷியன் சாப்டர் த்ரீ வர்சஸ் ஃபோர் திஸ் ரீசன் ஐ நீல் பிஃபோர் த ஃபாதர் ஃப்ரம் ஹூம் இஸ் ஹோல் ஃபேமிலி இன் ஹெவன் அண்ட் ஆன் அர்த் டிரைவ்ஸ் இட்ஸ் நேம் ஐ ப்ரே that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your praise, in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the 
fullness of God. This is God's word. Kindly be seated. You know, Paul prays for the Ephesians that having been rooted and established in love. You know, they may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. You know, here, Paul is not dealing with our love to God, but he is dealing with God's love to us. Do you find any contradiction in this passage as you read, just as you read this, you know, just a sentence as you read, do you find a contradiction rooted and established in love that they may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Do you see any contradiction? As you read, it appears there's a contradiction in this passage. How can you know something that surpasses your knowledge? You know, how can you know something when it surpasses your knowledge? How can you measure something if it is immeasurable? How can you define something which cannot be defined? And that's what Paul is saying. You may grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. He's telling, how can you measure this love when it cannot be measured? But there is no contradiction. What Paul is trying to say is, you know, Paul says, the believers in Ephesus, in other words, we, today you and me, we may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. And Paul, he tries to define that love. He tries to tell us how wide and how long and how high and how deep is that love. And Paul says, it surpasses our knowledge. Paul says, we cannot measure that love. But despite that, he's trying to help the people in Ephesus, he's trying to give them something so that they can meditate on God's love and understand that love. You know, if you read the Old Testament, Old Testament will always come with images, you know, so that your, it is what you think is concrete, it is not abstract. You know, when I say God is love, it becomes difficult for us to meditate. But if I say, do you know how wide and long and high and deep is God's love, probably we can meditate on that. 
I'm sure by the end of this message, we'll all be able to understand how wide and how long and how high and how deep is God's love. That's what we are going to do. And that's what Paul is helping us to know God's love. He's giving us something so that we don't meditate on something which is just abstract. We are going to do something concrete, concrete. That's why he's giving an image like that. So our meditation today is all about, you know, the width of God's love, the length of God's love, the height of God's love, and the depth of God's love. It is not about our love to God. It's all about God's love to us. First, we'll talk about the width of God's love. The width of God's love. Can we just have a heading? The verse we can come later. No. Okay. You know, I said it is immeasurable. So how do we measure it? It's very difficult. How do we say the width of God's love is so much? How do we understand? You know, I cannot come here and say, this morning God told God's width is so much, and I'm telling you this is the width of God's love. That's not the way we expound the scriptures. It's very difficult to understand the width of God's love. So what we do? The scripture interprets scripture. We always go to the Bible to understand the word of God. We don't go to human beings who say we had a dream, this is what God told me. No. Scripture always interprets scripture. There is integrity in the word of God. We can always stand on the word of God. We can build our life on the word of God because it will endure forever and ever. People who have dreamt, they are no more here. You know, but when we stand on the word of God, we can always stand. So what we do? We go to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. It says, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And as you read this book of Revelation, Revelation specializes almost with regard to the width of God's love. If you read the entire book of Revelation, because when you come to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, uh, again it says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the lamp. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. You know, at times we think we are minority in a country because that's the way we understand our very thinking. We think we are only few people. What's going to happen to us? You know how wide is God's kingdom? Have you ever thought about it? You are part of a family where people from every nation, tribe, 
and language are there, worshiping the Almighty God. Today, as we worship our God here, being a Sunday, in many parts of this world, people are worshiping God. And that is the family to which we belong. It's because of the cultural factors we have not transcended beyond our castest feelings, language barriers, educational barriers. We are still confined with these thinking. But when we come to the kingdom of God, neither our education, nor our caste, nor our language, nothing matters. What matters is the name of Jesus, washed by the blood of Jesus. And when we stand here, it's people from Africa, Australia, people from all the continents are there worshiping God. Our eyes are on the risen Savior, and we all worship glory to God in the highest. That is the width of God's love. That's what Paul is saying that. Do you know the width of God's love? The ultimate cause of the failure of Jews, you know, it was because they could not understand the width of God's love. They said, you know, salvation belongs only to Jews not to the Gentiles. It was a challenge for them. They just could not think people from other nation, other tribe, they will also, they also can worship God. No, 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 you cannot. You cannot. That is their understanding. They could not understand the width of God's love. If you want to love your neighbor as yourself, you need to understand the width of God's love. We need to understand that. Paul, he will say, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Have you seen his CV? The provena he has given? How great? He's a great Jew, trained under Gamaliel. He will give all that. But when he had that encounter with the risen Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus, he was able to write in Colossians chapter 3, verse 11, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and is in all. But for the width of God's love, we will not be in the kingdom of God. Amen? We need to realize this. We are not ready to extend this width for others. Sometimes we make our church so exclusive. We make our very faith exclusive. If God had been so exclusive, you and I will not be here today worshiping this almighty God. Amen. That is the width of God's love. How wide is God's love? The very reason I can worship my God shows the width of God's love. The very reason you are here shows the width of God's love. Where you would have been without the width of God's love? You are not a Jewish person. After all, we are Gentiles. After all, we have come from pagan backgrounds. Where we would have been without this width of God's love? Is it moving you? It's not only the width of God's love, the length of God's love. What is this length of God's love? What we understand, 
I hope we have understood the width of God's love. What is this length of God's love? Again, the length means it shows the endless character of God's love. It is length. So again, we go back to the scripture. Go to the book of Jeremiah 31 verse 3. It says, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. What is this everlasting love? What does this mean? What does this mean? What does this phrase everlasting love means? It means it is a love that began in eternity. Not after we were born. This love started even before we were born. Even before we were created. Even before the foundations of the earth were laid. This love began at that time. Before time began. Before the world began. This love began. That is the length of God's love. Go, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. For he chose us in him, in Christ Jesus. God chose us in Christ Jesus before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Before the creation of the world, he chose us. You know, before, the, have you ever thought about it? You know, we think because I've been a good person, you know, I went before the stage, I accepted Savior, that's how I become a Christian. Of course, of course, you did your part. But the more you get closer to God, you understand your salvation began even before the creation of the world. That's why we say we want to keep focusing and reminding ourselves on salvation. Your salvation began even before the world was created. Even before the fall of man, your salvation began. In eternity. How long is God's love? It started in eternity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you think of any love like this? People who know you will love you. Maybe it's few years. Anyone who has loved you even before you were born? For generations before, has anyone loved you? They themselves are not there. This is God's love. And you might be thinking, how? I don't think it's true. How can God know me even before the creation of the world? If that is your question, in Revelation chapter 17, verse 8 says, the inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world. And I'm not expounding on this verse. We'll be astonished when they see the beast because it once was, now is not, and it will come. I've done the Bible study on this passage. You can go back and study that. But what I'm trying to draw your attention to, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world, that means there is a book where names are written before the creation of the world. 
we have been saved because God loved us even before the world came into existence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is your salvation. Your names were written in the book of life before the foundations of the earth were laid. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This should move us. This should move us. How it should move us? The length of God's love. If God loved me, you see, uh, that's why m I said all other religions, you know, morality is based on your performance, your good deeds. And we say God died for us while we were yet sinners because God loved you even before you committed those sins. God loved you even before you were born. God loved you even before you were conceived. God loved you even before the world came into existence. This salvation, can we understand? No. It's immeasurable. But it doesn't mean that we ignore it. We try to understand this. Now, if this love began before the creation of the world, that means God's love for me will never change. Will never change. Have you thought about it? God's love for you will never change. You can do nothing that can make God not to love you. We have not paid enough attention on our salvation, and that's where we are struggling. Salvation, we understand. You know, we have been saved even before the earth was created. And if God loved me before the world was created, his love will never change. It will never change. How do we say that? Because in Hebrews 13.8 it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So God is same. His love for us will same. He is not a human being. Today you love, tomorrow you don't love. It's not between you know, love like husband and wife. You know, today it's good day, you love. Tomorrow it's bad day, office work is bad, and everything is bad at home too. It is not that kind of love. God's love is not that love. It's not human love. It is God's love will never change. Because he loved you before the creation of the earth. If it doesn't move you, remember you are in love with something else in this world. You have not yet experienced this love. We need to come and try to understand. It is immeasurable. It doesn't mean that we should not even contemplate on this love. This love should move us. It's very important for us. Why it is important for us? When we are faced with troubles, when we are faced with difficulties, when we are faced with trials, when we are faced with discouragement, failure, the first question is, where is God? Where is God? Where is his love? God's love is not dependent upon your circumstances and situations. God's love is unchanging. Amen? Man, you may go down and up. I don't wish that. I wish we all go on the plain road, but life is not like that. It's a broken world. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, we go up and down, up and down. 
but God's love remains the same. It's our experience we go down. In our experience, we are down the darkest valley. People are accusing us. People are, you know, leveling all kinds of charges against us. People are saying, you are useless. But God never said I'm useless. He loved me even before the foundation of the earth were laid. That's God's love. Unchanging. When you say God's love is unchanging, remember about this length of God's love. This line never interrupts. It's a continuous line. It started in eternity past. It started. And it will take us back to that place. That line will never destroy. You know, it is not broken line. It's a continuous line. That's God's love. That is the length of God's love. That is the reason Paul, writing to the Romans, he says in chapter 8, 38, 39, you know why he said like this? For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can pluck you out from the hand of God. Nothing. All the failures of this world cannot pluck you even one inch out from God's hand. Have you realized this love? It is not that God loved us in eternity past and he forgot. In eternity past, he, you know, he loved us and he has forgotten. No, he manifests his love today in your present situation, in your present condition, in your present circumstances. God's love is manifested to you day in and day out. We need to realize that. It is there today. It was there in the eternity past. It manifests in the present. It will be there in the future. And it will continue forever and ever. God's love endures forever. Because the length of this line is unbroken. Unbroken. I hope you got a little bit feel of the width of God's love the length of God's love, then let's go and see the depth of God's love. Again, we have to go back to the scriptures. Go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Remember, Jesus was God. Jesus is the second person of Trinity. Let's not have any doubt about it. Okay? Who being in the very nature God? He was God. God. But he did not want to hold on to that position. God's love. 
his love for us. If Jesus had said, no, no, I am not going to this world. He did not hold on to that. He came to this world. How did he come to this world? Taking the very nature of a servant. All of us, if you get an appointment, it should be a one level higher. Salary should be above. How many of us will say, no, less salary, less designation? How many of us will say, oh, we will go? We'll say only fools will go. Jesus was a fool because he took the very nature of servant, being made in human likeness. You know, you, we need to understand the sacrificial love. If anything can transform us today, we need to understand the sacrificial love of God. You know, all rules and regulations will not transform us. It will make us more fundamentalist. It will make us rigid, hardcore, hard-hearted. If something has to change us, it is the sacrificial love of God. How do I explain that? You know, have you seen mothers bringing up their little children? You know, the child cries at 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock. The time, the child knows two hours break. 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock, morning, full of energy. The mother sacrifices. Because of her sacrifice, the child develops. Now, now we have working parents. You don't care for the child. You need a caretaker. What happens? What happens? Do you think your caretaker is giving you that sacrificial love to the child? No way. No way. Somewhere the child is being affected. You like to accept it or not. It is the sacrificial love of the mothers which helps the child to be a responsible adult, to grow as an adult. Many times we find adults who are behaving worse than children because that sacrificial love was not there. It is that love which transforms, that helps the child to grow, develop. It is somebody has sacrificed. It is that love, when you understand the sacrificial love of Christ, you can only overcome evil when you absorb evil. And Jesus did that. He was able to do it. And it is that sacrificial love that transforms our love, our life. It is not that I don't have freedom to commit the sin. Now I say, Jesus gave his life for me. Why do I run after these things? When he gave his throne room, came down, and he gave his life for me. Why will I run after these things? He has bought me with his blood. That is the depth of God's love. And how do we understand that? We cannot understand that. That's why Paul says, the love that surpasses knowledge. I keep thinking, why should God, God who created the heavens and the earth, he has come, I cannot understand that. And I think Paul says, the love that surpasses knowledge. There is a mystery when we, when we start thinking about God. We cannot know everything about God, 
but it doesn't mean that we should not think about God or contemplate about God. It does not mean that. But at the same time, we should not say, I know all the answers. I don't know. I don't know why God should come and die. You know, the kind of life he chose. The cross. I, I just don't know. You know, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 33 to 34, you know, it, Jesus says, we are going up to Jerusalem, not as a surprise. It never came to Jesus as a surprise. He said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on, spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Have you ever thought of how he suffered at the hands of the people, cruel people, how what you know, the kind of hatred he faced, the kind of violence he endured. Think of the suffering of all his weariness, hunger and thirst that he, the king of kings, the word that was there even before the world came into being suffered. What all the cruel men did to him, the one who had no fault, no blame, what all they spat on him, they flogged him, they condemned him to death, and they took him and they nailed him to the cross. Let this not be our intellectual information. May it percolate down to our hearts. Otherwise, we will become religious. Unless this love permeates our very being, our every single cell in us, and as it permeates, you know, as the yeast permeates the dough, you know, let this love permeate our heart and let it bring about transformation. It is not even I want to change. It is I want to understand this God's love which will change me. That is the depth of God's love. We come to the last point, the height of God's love. Now, how do we understand the height of God's love? You know, this dimension of God's love expresses not only the final purpose, but that's the height of God's love. Have you ever thought about when we say the height of God's love, what comes to your mind? What does it mean, the height of God's love? We, too often, we think salvation is what? Forgiveness of sins. If we have only thought about our salvation as forgiveness of sins, we have not thought about the height of God's love. The height of God's love is the purpose and the objective God has to take you to a particular place. He saved you, not that we remain in that same place, so that I can take you to a glorious place. That is the height of God's love. You know, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, it says, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. How many of us think this morning 
I am, you know, I belong to God's family. I'm a brother of Jesus. I'm a sister of Jesus. I belong to that family. We take more, you know, glory in saying I belong to so-and-so family in this place. You know my family background. You know my husband's credential. I belong to that family. How many of us think, take pleasure in being a member of God's family? God saved you so that we become a member of his family. Do you rejoice that you belong to that family? Or do you rejoice you have so many things in this world? Where is your heart? You know, in the high priestly prayer, when Jesus prayed for his disciples, the last prayer, beautiful prayer, in John chapter 17, we can keep meditating on each verse. There's so much of depth and meaning. Father, I want those you have given me. Who are those you have given me? We are the people. Jesus is praying, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me. He chose us so that we can be with him. We are not excited. Are we excited to be in that place with Jesus? Or we want comfort and other things of this world? Where is our heart? Where is our desire? If you don't replace your heart's desire with the right desire, it doesn't mean you have eliminated desires from your heart, but what happens is the heart is in the wrong place. Is your desire to be with Jesus? Like Jesus said, his desire is so that you and I can be with him. This morning, let me ask myself, let me ask. Let us ask each one of us, is our desire to be with Jesus? Or the things that we say in this world gives more happiness. It gives a kind of identity, weight, importance. But Jesus, what is in Jesus' heart? In the heart of Jesus, I want all of them to be, be with me. That is the height of God's love. Where I am and what? I will make them work. They will come here and struggle. No. To see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Jesus wants to give something precious. There are many things we don't want to give to people whom we love. There are certain things we like to hold on to ourselves because that is precious to us. But Jesus wants to give the most precious things to you and me. That is the height of God's love. Is it moving your hearts? Have you been feeling sorry for your life? Sorry for yourself? God, 
my life is like this. My life is not going the way I wanted. I am not getting what I deserve. Of course, you didn't get what you deserve. I'm not saying the life is going as you wanted. I'm not saying that you are having a dream life. I'm not saying that everything you wanted is happening in your life. We are living in a broken world. In the midst of this broken world, can you keep your eyes on God's love for you? The width and length and height and depth of God's love for you. There are failures, there are disappointments, there are discouragements. Are you satisfied in this God's love? Or still you are crying out for something else to satisfy you? This transforms our life. If you are not satisfied with God's love, then you will not be able to see the transformation that God desires in your life. That's the reason Paul is praying for the believers who are undergoing persecution, who are undergoing discrimination. You read that, you will understand the letter. People are not, you know, they are struggling. They are not rich people. They don't have money like people in Bangalore have. No, they are poor people, very poor. Some, some are in prison. Some people's houses have been taken over. Read this Bible and you'll understand. But Paul says, God, give them house. Give them money. No. God, open their eyes. They may see the width and the length and the depth and the height of your love, which remains constant. Bank will collapse, but this bank will not collapse began in the eternity past, before the creation of the world, and this love is, since it began in eternity past, it will continue till eternity future, it will take you to that place. And where? To be with Jesus, and to see the glory that was given to Jesus, because God the Father loved Jesus, and God wants us to see that glory. I know I'm talking about myself, so I can also include us in that. We spend too much of time thinking, being busy in the worldly things, thinking about petty things, spending time in other things, and we have no time when it comes to our communion with God. We are almost in a place where we don't even have time for prayer, we don't have time for Bible reading, we don't have time for devotions, we don't have time for community prayer. It's a struggle. Because other things are very important for us. My career, my promotion, my money, my family. I'm not saying they are not important. You know, yesterday I was talking to the men's fellowship and I was telling them self-control is the ability to do the important things than urgent things. That is the definition of self-control. You know, you, you want to keep attending to urgent things 
And when we keep attending to urgent things, we remain in ICU all through our lives. Because urgent, urgent, urgent. The important things are what? The important thing is to be with the Lord Jesus. And to get excited, I also want to see the glory of Jesus that was given to Jesus because God the Father loved him. And Jesus wants to show you that glory. He wants to share that glory with you. Are we trying to use God's love to get things from him? God is so loving. Ask, ask. I'll give him, he'll give more and more. Are, are we yielding ourselves to God's love that can transform our lives? You want transformation in your life? You know, it's not about doing this, rules and regulations. It is by understanding God's love for you, contemplating on God's love. What is important for our children? Their education, achievement, of course they have to study, of course they have to excel, but if in the midst of all that, if you are not able to share God's love, if you are not able to sh show God's love, they will also run all through their life running after the worldly things. God's love is wonderful. And remember, he has set his heart on you before the world came into being. He loves you. We love other things more than God or more than Jesus because we think his love is not. Anyway, God loves. His love doesn't change. We have not come to a place to understand this love is incomparable to any other love that I can receive from others, from my wife, from my children, from the community, from the ministry. This love is superior to anything I can get from anywhere in this world. Have you come to that place? As a gospel-centered church, this is the beginning. Everything we do, I said in religions, most of the religions, the motivation for morality is fear. But in gospel Christianity, the motivation is God's love. He loved me. I give my life to him. I give everything I have to him. I give it to him. I yield myself to his love. And it is that love that transforms me. Are you ready? Are you ready? God has kept you in this place. Not just so that you can earn few currency notes, few bricks in this place. God has kept you in this place for a reason, for a purpose. The height of God's love is there is a purpose, God's purpose. Till you understand God's purpose for your life, the world will keep telling you should have ambition, you have to achieve this, you have to do this, and you also tell your children you have to do this, and they, then they fail, 
then they don't know how to handle failures, anxieties, then you take them to psychologist. Very sad. We are in a very sad situation. We can take it very lightly. We are in a very difficult place. We are living in an environment that gives you everything to keep you away from God. Have you ever noticed that? This environment gives you all comfort, all gadgets, all the information that you want so that you are away from God. If you are not ready to fight these things, if this doesn't move us, you know, you will watch one video after another video after another video after another video. I'm not saying you are seeing something obscene. I'm not saying that. But in the process, we fail to understand the love of God. And that is Paul's prayer. And today, if Paul has to pray for us, if you think he's going to pray for your promotion, for your money, uh, no, 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 no. Paul will say, so that they may know the width and the length and the depth and the height of God's love that surpasseth knowledge. People have spent their years and you know, only contemplating on this love. Can we comprehend it? No. But is it glorious? Yes. Just because we are not able to, we want to always take control of information so that I can say, I know, I know. No, we don't know. We don't know. But we can enjoy the sweetness of God's love. When you talk about God's love, God loves me, will you also remember the width and the length and the depth and the height of God's love? I'll just try to give you certain images so that you can remember but for God's, the width of God's love, we will not be in his kingdom. We are here in God's kingdom because of the width of God's love. But for the length of God's love, we wouldn't have been saved. Because he chose us before the foundations of the earth were laid. But for the depth of God's love, we were to be condemned. Now, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because he shed his blood for us. Now, but for the height of God's love, there is no purpose for your life, heavenly purpose, but for the height of God's love. God's purpose for your life and my life is to be with him and to see his glory. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer? Pastor, pray with